We're in Mark chapter 14, verses 53 through 72. Uh, this is going to be Jesus' religious trials, setting up the religious trials, uh, and then Peter's denial. There's going to be six trials that Jesus is going to face. Now, he's been arrested on uh, Mount of Olives in Gethsemane and is brought in. Again, don't lose sight of the fact that this is the middle of the night. I mean, they, they had their Passover meal. And then sometime around midnight, right around there, they went out to the Mount of Olives, Gethsemane, where they're going to sleep. They're going out there not to, they're not going out there to pray. They're not going out there to have a class. They're not going out there to eat. They're going out there to spend the evening so they can come back into the town for the feast day in the morning. Everyone's camping around outside, and they're probably staying in a cave in the, near the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is praying, of course. Uh, but everybody else is asleep. So by the time they get the arrest and Jesus is brought in, the arrest would be 2 o'clock, you know. By the time Jesus gets into town, it's, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. It's the middle of the night. I mean, people are supposed to be sound asleep. And so all this has taken place, and there's going to be six trials. Three are going to be what we'd say religious trials, and three are going to be civil trials. Mark does not record all of them. So if we would take the notes right here, and if you look at the bottom of page, well, it's covered up, it'd be the bottom of page three. Uh, I've got them listed there for you. Um, oh, no. Oh, it's a video of my house. All right, there we go. Now, this is, this is the one I want to start with. This is the map. It's on your notes. This is Jesus' Garden of Gethsemane. And he bring him in, again, they're going to come over here to this side of the town. Uh, the six trials, the, the three religious trials, are going to be before Annas, which is the godfather high priest. Uh, Caiaphas is the acting high priest, but Annas was removed. The Romans, he was, he was such a bad influence, they removed him from office and put Caiaphas in office, which would be Annas... Annas the son-in-law of Annas, and uh, so Caiaphas is the acting high priest. But Mark, Mark doesn't record this, but in John, when they bring Jesus in, the first place he goes right here, this would be the, the I'm going to show you two different maps, two different locations on how these trials could have gone. But the, the, the six trials are definitely in this order. The three religious trials, followed by the three civil trials. One... Annas, who is not the high priest, but he's the rejected high priest who still has control. Even the, the, the marketplace, all the money that's coming into the temple, the tr money changers, that's all controlled by the former high priest. His son-in-law, Caiaphas, uh, is, is the high priest. They're going to appear before him. Then the Sanhedrin, the consul. This is the, uh, the ruling class, the elites, uh, they're the ones that make decisions for the Jews. They cannot have a, a session, a court case, unless the sun is up. This is going to be dark, but as soon as the sun comes up, Jesus is going to be up here before the Sanhedrin because they want to get him to into the civil trial and get him executed. They want to kill Jesus. So the fourth trial, they're going to take him, the civil trial now begins, they're going to take him to Pilate. And Pilate is going to hear the case, and usually the Romans would hear the uh, cases, uh, their, their, their legal cases, 
early in the morning, like after the sun was risen. So they got to meet while the sun's up. They got to get him to Pilate so Pilate can take action. Pilate's going to find out, and this is not all in Mark, Pilate's going to find out that he, Jesus is from Galilee because Pilate realizes this is, you hear it tonight, Pilate realizes this is a, a joke. They're just jealous of him. There's, he's done nothing wrong. But he finds out he's from, and Pilate's under pressure from Rome. He's had trouble himself and is going to end up, him and his wife are going to end up in exile because of the Roman emperor. So he's already, he's in, he's in Judea, which is not like the place you want to spend your career. Maybe if you're starting your career, it's a nice place to go and then work your way up through the ranks of Rome. But Pilate has already been in some positions, got in trouble, and was sent to Jerusalem, sent to uh, Judea to be the governor. And so he's already on thin ice, and he doesn't want any problems. And that's where in one of the Gospels it says, anyone who will not crucify him is no friend of Caesar." And it's like, uh-oh, this could get back and it could be the end of my career. So when he finds out Jesus is from Galilee, he sends him to Herod, and we know him already, Herod Antipas. Now, Jesus has never appeared before Antipas, and here he is, and Jesus doesn't talk. Now, that's not in tonight's story. I mean, it's in the, in the flow of things, but not in Mark's account. Antipas doesn't get any answers, so he sends him back to Pilate who has a second trial with him as we go through the, all the Gospels together. And this is where Pilate brings him inside and has a personal conversation with Jesus. And is kind of intimidated, if you would. He's impressed with Jesus uh, and does several things. Even in Mark, he's going to try to set him free. Now, that is what you see on the bottom of page 3. The religious trials before Annas, that's in John chapter 18 and 19. And then, this is the preliminary. This is the preliminary. This is their, while they're getting all the, not all, when they meet before Caiaphas, the acting high priest, there's going to be priests there. There's going to be some elders there. And when we say elders, we're talking about members of the Sanhedrin. And this is kind of like the pre-trial, kind of getting all of our ducks in a row because when the sun comes up, we're going to go to the Sanhedrin, which is actually the ruling council. So this is like the little pre-trial, kind of get everything worked out, get some accusations, get our witnesses lined up, and then we're going to have the official presentation. Now, Annas is going to be the one who's going to hear Jesus in John while they're getting this group assembled in the middle of the night. When they get assembled, they're going to have a trial that we're going to read about in Mark, and then they're going to send him to the consul once the sun comes up. The consul doesn't have all day. Now, we'll mention again maybe later. But the Sanhedrin officially, whenever you have someone that is guilty of a capital crime, you can have your court case, but you can't have your decision until the next day. Because we're, we're, we're going to execute this individual. So it's like, here's the case. Everybody hear it? Okay, we'll vote tomorrow. Take a day off think about it maybe any evidence comes up you know clear and then we come back it's like yeah this guy's guilty he's worthy of capital punishment these guys are going to decide jesus is going to be executed here in the middle of the night get him to the sanhedrin as soon as the sun comes up so they can get him to Pilate and have him executed that day i mean there's multiple things that are going wrong it's been said the two greatest systems the greatest religious system and the greatest civil system break down at Jesus' execution, because this, is, this was God's law. This was the law of the land. It, it's supposed to be fair. It, it's the Jewish system. It is completely broken down, corrupted, twisted, to get Jesus before Rome, which was, in a, I mean, we think Rome is being uh, 
uh, cruel and aggressive and powerful, but they were also very structured. There were law- Well, look at Paul. Paul uh, uh, had certain rights as a Roman citizen, and he couldn't, be, he couldn't be decapitated. He had to be, excuse me, he couldn't be crucified. He had to be, when he was executed, decapitated. There's one time they're getting ready to beat him, you remember, and, uh, well, they did beat him in Philippi, and then they, he, they came the next day to see him. He says, you, you beat a Roman citizen. And they're like, oh, and everybody disappeared, or it was because they're concerned because if word got back to Rome that the f- leaders of Philippi the magistrates beat a Roman citizen, they could all be in trouble from Rome. That's how serious they took it. So when Paul was arrested and was taken to Fort Antonia up here during the Temple Mount fiasco, they've got him stretched out, and he looks up at the guy and says, so you're going to beat a Roman citizen? And it's like, you're a Roman citizen? He said, I had to pay a lot of money for my, my citizenship. It's like, I was born a citizen. And he said, all of a sudden, the people that were getting ready to whip him, it was just him and the commander, and everybody's getting ready to whip him. He's like, whoop, got to go. And they, and, and they got him out. They let him go. So they took, they followed the law serious. Those are just two biblical examples. Right here, it all breaks down. Jesus is going to be arrested. We could say, we could say 3 o'clock in the morning. Again, that's an estimate. On it'd be, It would be uh, Friday morning uh, in the morning, 3 o'clock. He's going to be standing before Pilate and accused and accused by nine o'clock see three o'clock six hours nine o'clock so he's going to be well we should actually move this number up here he's going to appear before annas at three o'clock or four o'clock you know how quickly they got him from the garden of gethsemane then caiaphas the sun comes up sanhedrin the sanhedrin given to Pilate, who hears the case finds out he's from galilee he says Ha, great, not my problem. Go see Herod, Antipas. He's in town today. Herod can't get him to speak, so they send him back to Pilate. Pilate goes like, what? Whoa, you're back. And now Pilate's got to, then he goes in and brings him in and talks with him. And at 9 o'clock, Jesus is nailed on a cross. So the sun comes up here. Think how much, how, how, how much do you get done between the sun rising and 9 o'clock in the morning? The Sanhedrin found him guilty. Brings him to the civil court of a pilot who doesn't want to deal with it. So he sends him to Herod, who sends him back to Pilate, who has a private conversation with him, talks to the crowd, has him whipped, and Jesus is nailed on the cross at 9 o'clock. So I understand how fast these things are moving uh, through this. Okay, so those are your trials listed right there. Uh, I've got underlined there Mark. You hear this t- trial right here is in our story tonight, Caiaphas. Before the Sanhedrin is mentioned in passing, and they find him guilty, of course, because that was pre-planned. And then he goes to Pilate, and that's point four in Mark 15. And then uh, kind of we don't see him going to Antipas. That's in Luke chapter 23. That's where they put a, a robe on him and the crowns on, crown of thorns on him. That all takes place right here. Okay, does that make sense to you at all? Now, here's your map, which is again I think interesting. Uh, this is what I put in my 2008 uh, framework book. Uh, since that time, I've, I've learned some things. And so this is not inaccurate, but it is, uh, I think there's an improvement to be made. And again, uh, well, here we go. Clearly, this is where the, the, the upper room is at right here in the rich part of the city. Caiaphas' house would be in this area here. Again, I don't know exactly, you know, we don't have it exactly located. 
Uh, now, again, is Caiaphas a real historical character? Well, here's what you got on the very first page right there. We'll look at that in a little bit. That's Caiaphas's ossuary. They found his family tomb, and in this ossuary were the bones of a 60-year-old man, and on the outside, it, it has his name on the outside of it. And so they found the family tomb in, uh, I think it was 19, I got it written on there, 1990. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So Caiaphas... Uh, we've actually we got his bones. The bones are we, they're they're in existence now. So when they bring him in, point two right here, that would be when they bring him in, and he meets before the the Godfather, who's going to have his own private conversation. That's in the book of John, not tonight. When Annas gets done and they're talking he, while he's there, t- they're talking. Everybody's being assembled, and that is, then they're taken over to Caiaphas's house, which is called a palace. It's the high priest's house is a palace. There's going to be an upper room where they're at. Peter's going to be downstairs in the courtyard outside the house. They're upstairs having their little trial going on. That's at a house next to Annas's house right here. Now, then they're going to take Jesus over onto the Temple Mount where the Sanhedrin meet. Now, where the Sanhedrin meet, they could meet in some kind of a in the in the some of the rooms on the Temple Mount, it appears possibly they also met on the outside out here in some buildings on the outside on the west side of the uh, uh, Temple Mount. But the Sanhedrin would meet somewhere here in an official capacity, and they're going to meet with one purpose. They're not here to investigate, find out. They're just here to we're going to all accuse Jesus. He's guilty. Yes, send him to Pilate for execution. This is Fort Antonia. Uh, this is where Paul was taken. He was arrested on the temple and was taken up here to Fort Antonia. We talk about Via Della Rosa and, and all the trails. This is, uh, the, the pavement is where Jesus stood here and was tried uh, in front of Fort Antonia where Pilate was staying. Now, Pilate didn't live in Jerusalem. He would have stayed over on the coast in a Caesarea uh, in, in, in that area and then would have came here. Everybody comes here for the feast days. So Pilate would be here at Fort Antonia. When he finds out that Herod Antipas, which would be a, a Herod the Great's grandson, uh, no, 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 Herod the Great's son, is, is in town. See, this is Herod's palace over here. And this is still today the Joppa Gate. You can come right in here. Uh, you can still see the remains of this palace and some of the buildings, that, that the towers that Herod built. The stones are still there. Uh, but this is where Herod's palace was. There was a pool there. It's a great place. It was a fortress. It's a place of protection for Herod. Uh, Herod would have stayed in his, grand, his father's palace. And then when he didn't get, does get an answer, he would have sent him back to Pilate at Fort Antonia, where the garrison was that was watching the temple. This is where the troops stayed. And then Jesus would have been sent to be executed, would have gone out here. And again, there, this, this, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is right here. It would have been outside the walls. He would have gone out this gate, right here to a quarry that had been turned into, that was abandoned, that had been turned into a garden, and all the stone that was still there, they're carving tombs in it. And you can see them today, and I've showed you pictures of them. There's little, little tunnels little, where you could slide a body in there and bring it out and get the bones together, put it in an ossuary box. You can, also, you can still see the tombs cut into the stones there in the Holy Sepulcher in the back of it. But Jesus would have been crucified on one of the, 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 one of the, the rock formations called, called uh, Calvary here and then taken and put into a tomb which is, I mean, it's not far away at all. I, 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 someone asked me the other day what the measurement was and I figured it out. But I've got a picture, like I'm standing right here taking a picture. You can see 
the, the steps going up to Calvary here, and the tomb is right here. I mean, it's not, it's not that far. I mean, it's in the same building uh, today, okay? So come down here to the high, the high priest quarters, the palace, up to the Sanhedrin, to Pilate, over to Herod, back to Pilate, and out for crucifixion. And this would have been 3 o'clock in the morning, and all of this, 9 o'clock in the morning, he's here. Now, since that time, again, if you find this interesting, good. If you don't, I apologize. Uh, but here is the updated version. After having, oh, there's my camera again. And there we go. This is the updated version, which I think, what I showed you is traditionally the way it's accepted. But there's been a couple things that came up to my attention as I was studying over the last, well, since 2008, 15 years. This is the garrison where the soldiers stayed. This was like, you know, a, a fortification just for the soldiers. Uh, and if you've got the, the governor coming, if you're going to have like a centurion, maybe he's staying there. In fact, when Paul was staying there, a centurion was there who says, well, I had to pay for my, my citizenship. Pilate is not a centurion. He's the governor. He's the, the a political leader. That's not where he's going to stay. He's not going to stay in a garrison. That's like staying in the locker room with the soldiers. He's going to stay in Herod's palace. This was where, and again, Herod's palace, Herod had, it was still very nice. It had, all the city was still beautiful from all of Herod's building. So this was still a beautiful place. Herod designed this for himself. And so Pilate is staying here. Well, then where's Herod Antipas staying? Well, Herod Antipas and Herod had married into the Hasmonean family, the Maccabees, who became the Hasmonean family, the priestly family, who became the kings uh, uh, bef uh, after the Maccabean revolt. They were the kings before Rome came in and took over. So they had their own, the Hasmonean palace was right here. Now, that has not been located or found, but it is described as being in this part of the city. So, and it was also a palace that was active. So it would be logical because this would be his family's palace. This is his father's palace. This is his family's palace. And so another suggestion is that Pilate is not staying here. Everything's the same. You've got trial number one. Now the numbers are, I just changed the numbering system. But number one is, meets with Annas, the godfather, you know, kind of, you know, they talk about the, 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 the shadow government that's Annas. He's, not any, he's been fired by the Romans. Okay, I'm fired, but I'll still tell. It's like, okay, Caiaphas is Joe Biden, and Annas is, then plug in the name. I mean, whoever, you know, whoever's, Annas, like Caiaphas does the talking, but he's being given directions from, and again, I don't think Caiaphas was quite as, uh, you know, uh, confusing to listen to, but he's just following directions of his father-in-law. Imagine your father-in-law is the fired high priest who gets you the job. Why do you have the job? Son, you've only got a job for one reason. I'm still in control. You just get to show up for the festivities. So Annas is here. Then they ship him to Caiaphas, what we're going to read about tonight. And then they're going to have to send him up to the Sanhedrin, which is here or possibly in one of these rooms. They found some rooms outside the wall here, including some mikvahs or a big mikvah, a chamber where the Sanhedrin may have met. So anyway, the Sanhedrin, they send him to Pilate, which is number four over here at Herod's palace. Pilate finds out Jesus is from Galilee, sends him over to the king of Galilee, Herod Antipas, 
He was king of Galilee and uh, across the Jordan, a Perea. He doesn't get anything in response from Jesus, sends him back to Pilate, and now watch this, now out this gate and to his crucifixion. This map, I think, makes more sense right now because you got to get Pilate out of the garrison. He's not staying there, so Pilate's here. Okay, so there, that's, you know, for what it's worth. Again, it all makes sense. All that stuff is there. And uh, so now we go to Mark chapter 14. I'm going to read uh, Mark chapter 14 in the NIV, and then we'll go to the notes, which have the uh, English Standard Version. Mark 14. Again, this is a long chapter. We've been in, in Mark for quite some time. Uh, or excuse me, Mark 14 for quite some time. And in verse, uh, I'm going to begin in verse 43 and read to the end of the chapter and then we'll go to the notes. Mark 14, they've just finished the Last Supper, and they've gone out and they've been praying on the Temple Mount, or on the uh, Garden of Gethsemane. Chapter 14, verse 43, just as he was speaking, telling the disciples that time has come, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared with him. With him was the crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests. So the chief priests, right here, sent them out to arrest him. How did he know where they were? Judas is hired by the high priest to go out here and bring Jesus in. So they're waiting here because they've sent out their battalion to go, go get him. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to G Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. Again, like we said last week, Rabbi, a, a name of honor and respect that you're betraying, and a kiss, the kiss of peace, a friendship, which is used for a sign to go to your death. So two very wicked, uh, you know, the speaking and the kissing. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Now we're going to hear about another servant of the high priest later in the, as we read here. Uh, it's going to be a girl at the high priest's palace. It's going to be outside that's going to see Peter. So here's a servant that's got a sword. There's going to be a girl or a servant woman in town. And there's many others. Jesus says, am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me again? Am I leading a rebellion? Peter's acting like he's part of a, the Maccabean rebellion. It's like, put away your sword. And tells these guys, well, I've been talking with you. We've been teaching. We've been dialoguing on the Temple Mount. Does that sound like a rebellion? Does it, someone leading a rebellion have dialogue with you on the Temple Mount about issues? Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts and you did not arrest me, but scripture must be fulfilled. You've got to do this. Then everyone deserted him and fled. Then a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Probably that's the undergarment, the linen. It's very wealthy, rich undergarment. He probably had his, his main coat laid out for a bed or a blanket that he was sleeping on. Got up, followed Jesus out. They reach for him, grab him, and he runs off, leaving behind the linen, which we think is Mark, probably, who's writing this book. Now, here's our new material. They took Jesus to the high priest. Now, Mark does not mention his name. Matthew, Luke, John, all call him Caiaphas. In fact, uh, Luke calls him Caiaphas in Acts. So everyone knows it's Caiaphas, but he, Mark doesn't name a lot of people, maybe for doesn't want to get in trouble, although Caiaphas is out of office in 36. AD. They took Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests 
elders and teachers of the law came together. Again, when it says that's probably not all, that means all that were called because they're not all going to meet until the Sanhedrin. This is all that were called. Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. That kind of sets the stage for what's going to happen next. So Peter's outside in the fire. If you go back and read John, uh, they come in and uh, they won't let Peter in, but the, the people letting people into the house, uh, uh, the courtyard, know John because John is more upper class and he knows some of these people, the, 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 he, uh, the, the leaders, the upper class of Jerusalem. So let John in and John says, he's with me and he comes in so john's in this whole thing too but not mentioned remember mark is writing peter's account so peter's telling the story peter followed him at a distance okay uh, verse 55 the chief priest and the whole sanhedrin were looking for evidence against jesus so that they could put him to death but they did not find any some testified falsely against him but their statements did not agree then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him and if you understand, read this, this is, uh, we'll talk about it, a very con- confusing, uh, s- different statements and situations all kind of piled together that doesn't make any sense. We heard him say, I will destroy this man-made temple and in three days we'll build another not made by man. And even then their testimony did not agree. It's because you've got like five different stories and statements put together there and they're all trying to tell their story. No one really knows what Jesus was saying. They're just reporting what, bits and pieces okay so that's not working then the high priest Caiaphas stood up before them and asked Jesus are you not going to answer what is this testimony that these men are bringing against you but Jesus remained silent and gave no answer you don't have to testify against yourself meaning you're you know the point is they're trying to accuse him and it's not worth well, come on guy I thought we had these here all these guys are all pre-planned witnesses They've been rehearsing this. They've gone through all the rehearsals, and you're going to say this, you're going to say that, and now's the time. It's showtime. Go. It's like, oh. So Caiaphas in frustration says, are you just not going to say anything? And Jesus is like, I don't have, I'm not going to accuse myself. I mean, you're the one accusing me. I mean, we'll talk more about that. Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, now this is pretty blatant. I mean, okay, this is what we're looking for. Are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus says, I am. This this statement's loaded. We'll talk about it. I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on clouds, the clouds of heaven. So Caiaphas is going to ask, are you the Messiah, like the man, king, leader, the son of David? The descendant of David is going to be the male leader, the man leader. And Jesus says yes, but then takes it up a notch and is going to claim to be God and and, and other things in the statement. The high priest tore his clothes, which is their current response. It's against the law of Moses to tear the high priest's garments, but they've turned it in. They do the same thing in the book of Acts. Whenever they hear blasphemy, they rip their clothes and trying to get, you know, they're playing to the cameras. They're playing to the cameras. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses? That's it. We've got him. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. 
Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists, and said, Prophesy! And the guards took him and beat him. That's going on upstairs in, in, in the upper room of the palace of the high priest. Meanwhile, down by the fire, staying warm in the courtyard, while Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. Now, it's going to happen. There's going to be three times, three different times this is going to happen. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him in the firelight. I added that. You also were with the Nazarene, Jesus, Jesus she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway, which is out away from the fire, away from the light, the heat, and in the shadows of like the entryway. Kind of got to get away from that girl, or it could be a servant girl. It could be a servant woman. Uh, and when the servant girl saw him there, and this is a, sec, a different servant girl most likely, she said again to those standing around, this is the NIV, this fellow is one of them. Now she's not saying it to Jesus. The first girl address him, this girl, now you can say it's the same person, you, you have to decide. She's talking to those around him, maybe saying, hey, hey, this is one of them right here. And again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of, you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. I'll show you the verse in Luke, it's in the notes, but it was about an hour later. Luke says, about an hour later, some other people are looking at him and goes, hey, you're one of them, aren't you? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore. Two things, curse and swore, and that, not saying profanity, but you know, swearing a vow. Swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you'll disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Now you're going to notice in the NIV, it doesn't say, uh, okay, look closely at him. You were a Nazarene, but you, you know, see, there's nothing in there about a rooster crowing in verse 68. You're going to have your footnotes right there. Look down at your footnotes, if, depending on what translation you got. Uh, it's going to say a rooster crowed after the first denial. Now the English Standard Version is going to pick up that first denial uh, and say it, which is, if it, that's the case, um, that was kind of like a warning. Peter denies Jesus. The rooster crows. It should have been a, ah, but he doesn't pick up on, I guess, the warning, if that's the case. Denies him two more times, and then the rooster crows a second time. He realizes. And so Jesus says, you'll deny me three times for the rooster crows twice. In, in, in some text, you've got the two crowing of the roosters there. Okay, now, the notes. We've got the same story here on the notes. And uh, chapter 14, verse 53. And they led Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. Now again, it's going to say twice here, or in the English or the NIV, talks about all the Sanhedrin. Again, we're talking about this area right here at the high priest's palace, at his house. It's the middle of the night. I doubt the whole Sanhedrin is here. Now again, I'm not questioning the scriptures. But, you know, it says all, I think all of them, well, maybe it's all that were in this conspiracy group. Because remember, you're going to have to have uh, jo Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, who are, f I would say, followers of Jesus. They become, Joseph is going to give up his tomb, where Jesus buried was a tomb 
that Joseph of Arimathea was cutting out for himself. It was unfinished. No one had been in there yet. It, just like Caiaphas is going to have a family tomb, Joseph of Arimathea is going to have a family tomb. Now, he doesn't like give up his tomb and say, well, I'll have to find another place. These tombs were used repeatedly. He'd put the body in there, and it'd be, it'd be wrapped up in linen or wrapped up in cloth with spice on it, and it'd be there for a year, and then it'd be, it would decay. The, the flesh would decay. They'd come back a year later and have another ceremony, collect the bones, and put them in an ossuary. Thus, as you see right there, Caiaphas' ossuary. Uh, and so that's what Joseph was planning on, having Jesus lay there. A year later, they put his bones in ossuary, and then Joseph would die sometime later and use the same tomb. And, and sometimes they would use, uh, sometimes even the same ossuary would be used and just keep putting bones in the same ossuary. And they're, they're about this big, you know. Um, okay, uh, the high priest was Caiaphas. Mark does not mention his name, but Matthew, Luke, and John do. Caiaphas was appointed by Rome in 18 A.D., when they moved Annas out, and uh, until 36 AD. Annas was just getting too powerful and had his own agenda, and they wanted to get rid of him. This was an unofficial meeting of special members of the Sanhedrin before Jesus was taken officially to the Sanhedrin at sunrise. Uh, this was a Jewish feast day, point F. Normally, the Sanhedrin would hear a case, I said that, involving capital punishment and decide the next day. Ah, and then in 1990, here's this case right here and on one of the sides on the blank sides it says uh what it says the inscription on this uh, ossuary reads joseph son of caiaphas which is the name of caiaphas again joseph son of caiaphas would mean that was his name joseph but his father's name was caiaphas so he was called the family name caiaphas uh uh and, and i think his son's name was joseph also which is going to follow him uh Inside the bone, ossuary was the bones of a 60-year-old man. Oh, also a coin found in one of the ossuaries was minted during Herod Agrippa's reign between 37 and 44 B.C. or A.D. was found there also. Also in this tomb uh, that was found in 1990. What appears to happen, if I remember the story right there, I know where it was south of Jerusalem. It was down, it was down, here's the Hinnom Valley down here. It was on the other side of the Hinnom Valley out right down into here. And it is up on, on the hill. And they're doing, making a, they're making a park called the Park of Peace or the Peace Park or something. And uh, they had a bulldozer and somehow the bulldozer fell in. And they, they, when they got, they realized it fell in, it collapsed in on a tomb. And then when they started going through it, they found it was a fir first century tomb. And when they started finding these things, it's like, oh my gosh, there's names on it. These are names, biblical names. And they, so they found Caiaphas's tomb down here. You know, when, when we talk about Nehemiah going down on the journey down this way, and we talk about the tomb of David being here, then I had pictures up here of some tombs on this side of the Hinnom. It would be right up on top of that hill up there is where that is in that same area. Uh, but they also found two infants, a child two to five years old, a 13 to 18 year old boy, and an adult woman in that, in that tomb. Chapter 14, verse 54. And Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest and was sitting with the guards and warming himself by the fire. So again, you got to admire Peter. He's gone. Where's the other disciples? You know, they, they all scattered. Remember, they all scattered at the Garden of Gethsemane. But Peter has regrouped himself and has come back. And John is also according to the book of John, is with them there. So they followed, they've regrouped and followed Jesus to the high priest's house, which is, I mean, you're right in the midst of the enemy. And Peter's going to find out how close he is to the enemy. 
chapter 14, verse 55. Now the chief priests and the whole council, there it is, the whole council, which would mean the whole Sanhedrin, if, again, if you want to go with that, the whole Sanhedrin is meeting here at the house of Annas or Caiaphas. Um, it's hard to imagine everyone being there, especially in the middle of the night, especially when you throw in Joseph and, and Nicodemus, uh, especially when they're preparing for the whole Sanhedrin meeting over here. They're getting ready for the whole Sanhedrin. So I, again, I tend to think that's more about those that are involved in the case. But there, there's your words. I mean, there's your words. And the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, for they found, for they found none. They, 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 they're meeting for one reason. They've got to present to the Sanhedrin when the sun comes up, why this man needs to be executed. And it's got to be severe enough that we don't have to drag this case on because we want him dead. Um, uh, verse, uh, hold on, okay. Verse, chapter 14, verse 56. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And again, this is pre-planned. They've already found their witnesses, but these witnesses appear to not really understand what Jesus is talking about. And so there's probably typical accusations you can bring against somebody. And some of them, they're going to be saying things that's like, that's not true, that, that contradicts this. And Jesus is not a revolutionary. It's like, well, he's, he's trying to start a revolution. It's like he's taking up swords. They're stockpiling weapons. It's like, no, no, no. They're trying to give us something that everybody agrees on. Uh, Chapter 14, verse 57. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, and here it is, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. So it appears there's several stories going on, because he said things like that. For example, I wrote these down, A, B, C, D. He said the temple will be destroyed and not one stone will be left upon another. Okay, he said that just that week. So this temple will be destroyed. Now, he didn't say he was going to destroy it. So it's like this temple will be destroyed. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to do it. I'm just saying that's, that's going to, like Jeremiah says, the Babylonians are coming. Jeremiah's not going to bring the Babylonians and lead them into war. I'm just telling you the facts. And so Jesus announced the destruction of the temple. He didn't say he was going to do it. But earlier on, especially in John, early in the book of John, Jesus talks about, you know, uh, uh, you destroy this body and I'll raise it again. Or I'll, you destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. So he's talking about, and J John says, they thought he was talking about the temple, but he's talking about his body. You destroy this temple, I'm going to resurrect it in three days. And so this temple uh, right here, this temple right here is going to be destroyed but Jesus also talked about his body being killed and that he was going to be resurrected in three days. He said that multiple times. Um, that's point B. C, Jesus will be resurrected in three days. So he's going to be killed, body destroyed. He'll be resurrected. And point D, there will be a kingdom of God. That is not, there's a kingdom coming that is not the kingdom of man. So you've got this temple is going to be destroyed. Jesus is going to be destroyed. Jesus is going to be resurrected. He'll do it himself. I'll resurrect it. There's going to be a kingdom not built by human hands, just like, just like Daniel talked about. The stone that came that was not cut out by human hands came and struck the statue, and it became a great kingdom that covered the whole earth. 
which is the kingdom of God. So you put all that together, what's your accusation? Jesus said he's going to destroy this temple himself, and then in three days he's going to rebuild it, but it's going to be a temple not built with human hands. No, no, no. That's Okay, those are four different, different stories. You've got different, it's like, and, and Caiaphas knows this, because he says right here, we heard him say, I'll destroy this temple that is made by, with hands, and in three days I'll build another not made with human hands. Yet even about this, their testimony did not agree. Chapter 14, verse 60. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus. Meaning, Jesus just sitting there listening to himself be misquoted. Now again, I don't know what Jesus is thinking, uh, but he's on trial illegally. It's the middle of the night. It's at the high priest's house. Uh, he's been arrested illegally. And now there's false witnesses twisting his words. And it's like, you're not getting, you're not going anywhere. This is a total illegal trial. You've got bad witnesses. I'm not sure how you're going to, I mean, really, he could be thinking, I'm not sure how you're going to pull this off because you've got nothing. And so Jesus is just like standing there. Is he mocking? Is he being silent? Is he praying? It, you know, but basically he's just, he legally, He's doing the right thing. When the attorneys come, you're, you're, don't say anything. Have you, have you said anything? It's like anything you say will be held against you. Jesus like, okay, you're the one accusing me. I, I'm, I'm, I've said everything I'm going to say. And so the high priest pokes him. It's like the, the cop coming in and saying, say something. You know, they don't read you the rights. You know, anything will be held against you. They say, so what were you doing here? And they start trying to get you to talk so they get some information. Uh, but he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? Now, right here, the high priest is asking for him, Jesus, because he's, tr he's trying to tick off the religious people. I mean, here he's at his palace. He's got all the other chief priests that are around, not the high priest, but the other leading priests that are, some of them are on the members of the Sanhedrin. He's got elders there, the, the, the religious leaders, the teachers, and he's going to try to get Jesus to say he is the Messiah. Now, let's stop for just a moment, and when we say Messiah, Jesus, Christ, Son of God, the, the creator of the world, we get into Pauline teaching, all of Paul's teaching. We understand Jesus, the, the firstborn from the dead, the firstborn uh, he, creator of uh, everything visible and invisible, the rulers and authorities. And he created it all. He's, he's God. That's us, Christians, when we say Messiah, because, and it's correct. But they did not have that concept. Messiah was a human. He was a man. And he was going to be the son of, or I, I should write son, S-O-N, but I'm going to try the word descendant. Okay, I'm not sure how that looks. Uh, and see, that's the bad thing about this. Again, it's right there on the video. Everybody can just zoom in and see it. That's spelled totally wrong. I'm not sure. He's going to be the descendant of David. Now, when we say son of David, as a Christian, we put all this theology in. We go instantly to Jesus, the son of God, who's the son of David. But they're looking for a descendant of David who was a man, a human, who was going to be the Messiah, who was going to lead the kingdom of Israel like Saul did, or David did, or Solomon did. They're looking for someone who's going to bring him, and maybe, 
And again, Bar Kokhba in 132, the, 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 uh, the son of the star, he was a man that they thought was going to overthrow the Romans. And he tried, and he didn't, and it all fell apart. But that's what the Messiah was, was this bar, like a Bar Kokhba guy, a military leader that was going to overthrow the Gentile world. I mean, Judas Maccabeus was as close as you're going to come to their idea of a Messiah. He, he came out of nowhere, rose up against the Greeks, the Seleucids, drove them back, took territory, established the kingdom of Israel as its own independent nation, and then made a treaty with Rome and started dealing with treaties with the nations. And Judas Maccabeus was as close as a Messiah that they're thinking. So when he says, are you the Messiah, he's asking him, are you this man? He has no concept of Deity, okay, deity. Is that deity, D-I-E, deity? Can you help me out? Is it I and the E right, deity? Right. You guys, come on, you guys are not as bad as spellers. Is that right? Okay, you're a teacher, so you're, okay. All right, so they're not thinking if he's God, okay? They're just saying, if he'll admit that he's the leader, he's Judas Maccabeus, he's, he's the man that's going to take over the kingdom of Israel, which means he's going to have to defeat the Romans because Rome controls the kingdom of Israel. It's part of the Roman Empire. Are you this man? Well, the answer is yes, but much more than that. It's, it's not that simple, Caiaphas. So here we go. Now Jesus is going to talk. And <laughs> And it, it's, it's more theology than Caiaphas can handle. Uh, again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, Messiah, the Son of the Blessed? Now, the phrase, the blessed, is, it, 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 mean, the ble- it, it means the blessed, but it's, it's, a, it's a synonym for God. Because they can't say, they won't say the name God, but they'll use the synonyms, the blessed, instead of saying God. So the son of the blessed would be the Messiah God sent. When we say the son of God, I go to deity. He's the son of God. We're all sons of God, but he is the son of God. He is God himself, part of the Trinity. They're not thinking son of the blessed as in he's God, but the Messiah that God. Are you the Messiah, the one sent by the blessed? sent by God are you the Messiah God sent to fulfill all this are you going to fulfill all the prophecies of the Old Testament as the Messiah the son of David Uh, and Jesus said I am so he says yes that's me I'm going to do that I am the human male descendant of David who's going to rule Israel, overthrow the nations, and establish the kingdom of God of, on earth in Israel. I am. But, now again, some would want, and you can, when he says, I am, that's the name of God. That's, that's God's name. So you've got, you've got to make a decision there. Is he saying, I am? Is he saying, I am? It's the same thing Moses said, or God said to Moses. I am that I am. Are you the Messiah? I am. I mean, you could stop right there, and that's a huge statement. That's not, I mean, that's very possible. That's worth teaching. Uh, you can build a case on it. I think it's very clear when 
uh, they're challenging him about Abraham, and they say, you're not yet 50 years old, and you claim to have seen this in the book of John. You claim to have, have seen Abraham. Jesus says, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. That's, I pr- that's, that's very clear, I think, that he's naming before Abraham was, God, I am. This could be the same thing. I don't want to take that away. But at the same time, you don't want to stretch yourself out so thin that you're making a point that's not sustainable. That's just proper grammar right there. Are you this person? Yes, I am. I mean, what are you going to say? I, I, that, that's me. Uh, he could have said yes. I mean, there's probably other ways. But that is a proper grammatical answer to the question. Now, if he's trying to tie in I am God in that, that's possible too. It, it's true. But he's going to do the God thing here anyhow. I am And then he says, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. So Jesus says, here, these are his statements. He could could be making four statements of deity, if you want to say it this way. I am, and I'm I'm not trying to sell that one. That's just possible. But then he says, he says, I am, and you will see the Son of Man. Now, that sounds like, a, you know, just, you know, like my sons are a son of man. They're just mere humans. But in the book of Daniel, the one like the Son of Man appeared, uh, and he was coming to judge the world. He was the judge, the end-time judge. He says, I am... And you will see, you who are judging me will see me, the Son of Man, coming to judge you. That's all, he, that if he's making that point, I can't say, but that is all within that statement. I am, and you will see the Son of Man, uh, when he comes, he's coming to judge all mankind. In other words, you're judging me today, but I am God and I am going to be judging you in the end. Again, he doesn't say that. He just says, Son of Man. But that's all within that concept, that, that he is the Son of Man. And you will see the Son of Man, and that's one statement of deity. You have one, two, seated, right hand of power. Now, you could go and stand in front of God's throne. You could stand in front of the power on the throne but it's a totally different thing to be seated at the right hand of the power i mean that's not even the place of a prophet that's not even a place of a king that, that's like i mean you're sitting on the throne as god's right hand man and you're demonstrating his power that's the third if if this is one two this is definitely one this is definitely right hand of power that's jesus saying You'll see me seated at the right hand of power. I will be bringing, when you see the power of God coming, it's coming through me. Uh, I am, and you'll see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And this is again coming, coming right back to clouds of heaven. These clouds of heaven especially, 
Not just coming in the clouds. Be careful when you read the Bible. Jesus ascended into the clouds. He'll come back in the clouds. He'll come back the same way he left. Coming in clouds. Uh, these are clouds of heaven. These are clouds of glory. This is the glory cloud. This is not like it was a blue sky and some white clouds and Jesus came back on a cloudy, kind of a blue cloud-covered day. Uh, no, these are the, when he says clouds in this context, anytime you see eschatologically clouds, we're ta- you, you could replace that with the concept of glory, just like you saw there, led by a pillar. That was the glory, it was fire at night, it was clouds during the day, but it was the Shekinah glory, it was the presence of God, which was Jesus in the tabernacle leading them in the wilderness. I mean, it's the second member of the Trinity. Whenever God appears to man, it's the second member of the Trinity. And God became flesh, he appeared as a man, and we can see, we can't see God the Father, but when he appears, he manifests as the second member of the Trinity. So coming in clouds of glory, this is Jesus saying, are you the Messiah, uh, the Son of the Blessed One? Are you the Messiah sent by God? I am, uses God's name. Son of man, meaning I am the judge of all of you. You'll see me seated at the right hand of power. When God releases power, well, it's me. And the coming clouds of glory, uh, when you see me coming, I'll be coming as if I was God. I am coming back as the Shekinah glory. What you saw in the, when you talk about what you saw in the tabernacle in the wilderness, that was me. That's what it'll look like when I'm coming back. So, deal with it. Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, but I am the Messiah because I am God, the Son of Man coming to judge. I'm the one seated in the power of God because I am God. And when I come back, it will be the Shekinah glory of God coming back. Yeah, I'm the Messiah doing all these things. And so he can be the Messiah because he's God as the Messiah. The son of David is way more than what they anticipated. Now again, you say, well, that's a lot. Well, here's how the high priest reacted to that statement. You can say, well, that's just a confusing statement. Um, and Jesus says, I am, and you'll see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garment and says, what further witness do we need? You, this guy just said this out of his mouth. He thinks he's the Shekinah glory. He thinks he's the power of God. He thinks he's the Son of Man who's going to judge all. He thinks he's God himself. What? We're looking at God. Do we need to hear any more blasphemy? He tore his garment and says, what further witness do we need? Forget about these guys. We don't, you guys can all go back to bed. We don't need any witnesses. The guy just claims to be God sitting here. You have heard him blasphemy. What is your decision? So Jesus says this. The high priest tears his garment and says, well, that's all we need. What do you guys think? Let's vote. And, of course, the vote was unanimous. This guy is not God obviously, and if he was the Messiah, he'd be leading a revolt against Rome, not here in the upper room of the high priest's house in the middle of the night getting tried by us. It's like, doesn't look like much of a God to me. So, I mean, they lost all respect for him. Now, any kind of a teaching that he would have had that, well, he's got some wisdom, that's good insight, that's, a, that's, that's biblical, is just like throwing on, it's like, well, this is ridiculous. 
They have no understanding of what he just said, obviously. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. Not, not to be re-educated, not to be, you know, we got to send you to a good Bible school. Uh, this is so far off base, you need to die. You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him to death. And some began to spit on him. Again, this is, this is 3 o'clock in the morning, say. He's still got to go to the Sanhedrin, come over to Pilate, go to Herod, be put on with the, the purple garment, the crown of thorns, be sent back to Pilate where he's going to be whipped almost to death, then carry his cross out here where he's going to be crucified. They're going to start beating on him here at 3 o'clock. So between 3 and 9 o'clock, I mean, it's six hours of, of, of beating and mocking and spitting on him besides the whipping and the crucifixion. Some began to spit on him and cover his face and to strike him, saying to him, prophesy. They'll do similar things to him here at Herod Antipas, at, Her- at the Hasmonean Palace. And the guards received him with blows. In other words, as he's walking out, they're going by him, they're punching him as he's walking out. Wow, uh, and verse 66 just picks up. That's all happening upstairs. Meanwhile, in the outer court, right, right below the house, it may be terraced down. In the outer court, there's a fireplace. The guards are saying there's people gathered around. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, so Peter's there, keep staying by the light, keeping himself warm. Does he hear what's going on upstairs? I mean, can you hear like the shouting if it's loud voices or arguing or the high priest? What do they hear? What does he hear? Does he hear anything? And she, the servant, again, high priest servant girl. So she works for the high priest that's up there. She works in this house. And Peter just cut off one of the other high priest servants ears and jesus put it back on his head she looked at him and says you also were with the nazarene jesus now the phrase with the nazarene is is contempt i mean it's it's not like just a reference it's like a sign of contempt she's already got an opinion of what's going on upstairs and the guy it's like that nazarene who thinks he's god hey you're with that guy but he denied it saying and this is a legal statement said in, a, in legal form I neither know nor understand what you mean. I, there's, there, I have no, nothing, no. And he went out into the gateway, so he gets, okay, I'm right here by the fire trying to stay warm, so it's still cool in the evenings, close to where he needs a fire. It's like, okay, I've got too much light shining on me. He l- walks away from there and goes out into the doorway, of the courtyard, kind of away from the fire, kind of in the shadows of the wall or the gate, and he's going to hang out there a while in the shadows. So he hasn't ran away yet. I mean, get admired that he's there, but he's not able to do what he thinks. Now remember, the people that are reading this book of Mark are in Rome under Nero persecution. And they're going to have to confess Christ, not deny Christ. And so here's Peter, the leader, falling into this temptation. He's being warned. He's given several chances, but don't do this. But then at the end, even then, He's, he, he's offered to come back. I mean, it's, you're, we know you're weak. So all this is good information uh, for the people of Rome that are facing persecution that are reading this book. So now he's out by the gateway, and the rooster crows. And now that's not in every, that's not in every manuscript, the rooster crowing that first time. It says it crowed a second time at the end. Jesus said it would crow twice. 
there's a possibility, not minimizing Scripture by any means, but the, you know, like the NIV doesn't even put it in there, that someone thought, well, where's the rooster crow the first time? We just hear him crow once, he's supposed to crow twice. Well, let's put it here. And so they put it there. That's not absolute, I, I, you know, but it's like you can see some manuscripts, right? Some of your texts have it, some of them don't. English Standard does, NIV does not. I think English Standard is probably a better translation. Nonetheless, and he went into the gateway and the rooster crowed, which should have been a warning. Hey, hey, Peter, before that rooster crows a second time, you've got to regain, get your traction back. Now, you denied me once, but before the rooster crows, the clock has started. You've got until the next crow to get yourself back on track. So it's almost like a little bit of grace, the warning sign, the buzzer. And then it says, and the servant girl saw him. Again, you're going to have to decide if it's someone different or it's the same girl followed him over there. I'm going to say it's someone different because she's approaching it a different way. And a servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders. Well, there it says in the English standard, and again. So now it makes it sound like it's the same girl or it's again someone's saying something to him. So you make your decision there. Uh, and the servant girl, uh, is, sure sounds like it's the same person. Sometimes it sounds like it's a different person, different gospels. And began again to, to say to the bystanders, now she's talking to other people, maybe trying to get, gather a crowd to get, her, get some action here. This man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And in point one there in the Greek, and he denied it, it's repeatedly. No, no, no. Or he's saying it. He's, he's now in a debate. He's giving them all kinds of evidence. Denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders said again to Peter, certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. Now they can tell by the way he's talking, his accent, just like we can tell if someone's from you know, the South or someone's from New York or even Minnesota. Um, and so they can tell where he's from. It's not like, wow, how do they know? He's, well, can you tell this guy's from Texas? It's like they knew. Uh, certainly you're one of them. You are a Galilean. Uh, and I, like I said, Luke point three under verse 70, Luke indicates this third accusation came about an hour later. Luke twenty-two fifty-nine says, and after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. So that puts, gives you, a, 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 again, some more time right here that if Peter's in the courtyard for an hour, we can read through that trial of Jesus, you know, a couple of people saying this, a couple of people saying that, the high priest saying, Jesus, what do you think of this? Now, are you the Messiah? Yes, I am. Ah, you know, it could take, you could read that in, well, some people could read it in three minutes. It takes an hour to read it. But uh, it seems like it was, you know, maybe an hour long going on here. And again, he's met it with Annas already. That's not even recorded here. That we recorded what happened at Caiaphas, the, the actual high priest, acting high priest. Uh, verse 14, verse 70, chapter 14, verse 71. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. Now, that's the point of his message. I do not know this man of whom you speak. Now, that's what he's saying but to support that statement, he's going to curse himself and swear or make vows. Again, there's nothing here of profanity. It's not cursing using profanity. It's cursing, and right here, Peter does two things here by calling down God's judgment on himself if he is lying. I do not know this man, and I ask God as my witness to send a curse on me if I'm if I'm. Not telling the truth, you know, so he's cursing. You know, I'm cursing myself. If, that's, if I'm lying, I'm cursed. And then swearing, I swear by, you know, I raise my right hand. I swear by my, 
you know, the gold in my bank account. I swear by the temple mount. I swear by, you know, God's righteousness that I'm telling you the truth. So cursing, cursing himself and swearing by something to give him his words credit. You know, it's, if I'm lying, I'll give you this, you know, money or whatever. And immediately, okay, verse 71, but he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately, it's over. The rooster crowed a second time. And that's in all the manuscripts. And Peter remembered how Jesus said, before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. It's like, and then, you know, he's devastated. Uh, and uh, he's going to have some trouble going through you. And we're going to read that as we go through this. But again, this is the book of Mark. It, traditionally this is peter's account that was told that mark recorded as he traveled with mark or wrote down after mark's death or after after peter's death so it's interesting of uh, that is that would be something he was sharing with people maybe he just shared with mark but it would appear that he's sharing with everybody but it's very pertinent in the context that this is being written 64 a.d in rome to the people of rome that are being burnt at stakes and being thrown to the animals Listen, it's a tough, you're expected to not deny Christ, but it's a tough thing. Peter had three chances and failed one, two, three times. You may have failed once, you may have failed twice, but don't fail the third time. But even then, there's a chance to come back. But it's not that you, just that you've got a chance to come back. You're expected not to deny Christ, to stand with him, and that's their chance to stand. And of course, we all have a chance to do that, but we also have grace to come back as we're growing. I'll pray and we're done. Father, we thank you for the chance to look into these things. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement. We thank you for Jesus' testimony of himself, that we can trust Jesus, that he is who he says he is, that he is the Lord, that he is the coming king, and he does have our salvation, our, our souls, our futures in his hands. Again, we ask that we would continue to follow him and walk close to him and allow him to lead us and to strengthen us even in our times of trial and doubt. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your time.